The Bizzle. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. All right, folks, the bizzle here. Uh, it's been a, a while, way too long uh, since I've had a Firefly commentary release. I got through the first eight that me and Maddie G did pretty quickly, and then so many other things came up. And unfortunately, with all my other commentaries and podcasts, Firefly took a bit of a back seat. However, I want to get the rest out, and part of the reason it took a back seat is because the two or three of the best episodes, which are all in a row, which I'm about to release, while I mixed them quite a while ago, I had trouble finding and never truly found the original files. Luckily, my initial mix with a couple of cuts worked out pretty well. So here's what's going on. This is actually a double episode release to tide people over, because I don't know uh, when the rest of the season I'll be able to do, as I'm still looking for pieces of it, and there is somewhere. And that's Matt's favorite episode, I, I think he would say that, which is Ariel, and followed by War Stories, which, while he likes that episode, is my favorite of the season, when Wash and Mal get tortured and are forced to actually be honest with each other about, you know, about the woman between them and so forth. So this is Ariel and War Stories. There's going to be no countdown. Uh, Matt's uh, going to, um, right after me, Matt's going to start talking as if it's the very beginning of Ariel. And then um, there will be about a two or three second silence at the end of Ariel. And then you should pause it. And then that will lead immediately into War Stories. Again, no countdown, no introduction the way I've been doing it. So enjoy Ariel and War Stories. Amazing episodes of television to celebrate Firefly now being on Facebook and everywhere, which is great, and people, you know, discovering it or rediscovering it. Thank you to Matty G, as always, for his persistence and patience and being a great friend and podcaster. Hope you guys enjoy Ariel. Get it queued up, and then right after it's over, jump over on your DVD or whatever to War Stories for that commentary. So everything going to be shiny here on the Bizzlecast. Thank you for listening, and uh, hope you enjoy the commentaries. See ya. Go ahead, buddy. So we open up uh, with a shot of the ship, and then we see everybody all together at once. Personally, I think this show works best when we do have everybody interacting with everybody else. It's always, almost always around the table, which I think is cool. It's different than a lot of sci-fi property where we don't necessarily see them eating a lot of meals en masse. You don't see that in Star Trek very much. You don't see that in Star Wars almost ever. Um, you only see bits and pieces of Battlestar where kind of some people are taking meals at different times. For once, we have a crew small enough that everybody eats at once and they kind of structure their, you know, their days to have sit down meals together, which I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah, Battlestar, but, they, they drink together a lot. Yeah, Here and you they had eat 10 together. forward in Next Generation, which was, I mean, usually scenes in, ne- in 10 forward were good scenes, but, um, but I was going to say, the fact that the together scenes in Battlestar involve alcohol and the together scenes in this show involve food that say a lot about how the shows are different. <laughs> sure. I mean, Battlestar is a lot about PTSD. I think the whole everybody in that world has PTSD from the humans getting all burned up by the Cylons at the beginning. This show is much more about just sort of struggling to survive. But with the exception of River, nobody is really... Uh, you know, crazy because of this need to survive. It's just, mm-hmm. this is the life they lead. 
Um, so one way I look at the first season is there are episodes where certain characters like stop being so naive, like with Jane, it's in Jane's town with right. Wash, it's in war stories, which is coming up and Simon, it's, it's sort of this episode mixed with trash where he realizes Jane betrayed them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with the other characters a little more subtle, but it's interesting to think whether Wash is, he's certainly not pro Alliance, but he does want to go to the Alliance planets way more than his, you know, his rebel, wife does right it's hard to know where his mind is on that i think he just uh <laughs> do that ever i love sean mar does so many great i love the exasperated face what this episode is going to be is it's going to really bring to a head a lot of the relationship tensions that have been building since uh-uh. the pilot this episode is going to bring to a head the tension between mal and jane between jane and simon be, we're finally going to get to see some actual exploration of why River is crazy, whereas yeah. in the past, it's just taken as fact. She's kind of crazy sometimes. Here, we actually get a plot about why she's crazy, and we don't get all of our answers. We get those in Serenity, but this is the first inkling of why she's nuts, like what was done to her, what makes her this way. Um, I, I, Mel is extremely uh, calm about this whole situation. Always impressed me. He is calm, and I think he's also kind of dealing with what can I say, what do I want to say in front of Jane, and what do I want to say to Simon privately? Because right. he doesn't trust Jane at all. As he knows just, Jane's going to use any excuse to try and betray them already. He can read it in his face right here. Yep. And he doesn't want to see, he doesn't want to give in to Jane because he's afraid that Jane will use that as some sign of weakness to do something that might wind up hurting him or his crew. I mean, one episode prior in out of gas, it's established. He gets Jane by convincing Jane to betray the people that he's working for. So how could he possibly trust a man who came on the ship under those circumstances? Now that Jane's gone and he doesn't have to have a solid front, he's going to confront Simon. But he almost is regretful about having to make this decision, you know? Mallet, Mal that is. He's already come to take a liking to River, if not to Simon. He likes River and he respects Simon. I think that's kind of the difference. But yeah, he doesn't want them off the ship. And he can sort of, you know, we never know what Mal's backstory is, but he can see Simon's devotion to River and he doesn't want to have to throw them off the ship, you know, just because he's Simon is trying to do what's right. And I think Mal does believe Simon is doing what's right, even if it's extremely hard. Now they're playing horseshoes, which I love. Um, is it in Serenity or when they redo it in... I'm sorry, is it in the, the Serenity pilot or when they redo it in the Serenity movie where Simon describes himself as a super genius, but he's like a dumb idiot compared to his sister or something like that? He says, I'm really smart, top 5% of my class, but River was so smart she made me look like an idiot child or, or something to that effect. I, but it's so hard to know if they if that's when they revisit it in the movie or, or that's in the original. I think that's in the movie. That exact nope. line that's in the uh, in the pilot. I they oh, that mean, is in the pilot. Some, okay. Yeah. Uh, me- meaning you know uh, it's like it's a constant not knowing how much Simon knows. And that's what this episode is all about. We finally find out how much Simon knows, and it turns out he doesn't know very much. Meanwhile, I do kind of like the idea that uh, horseshoes has survived. 500 years in the future yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. I'm somebody who certainly enjoys playing horseshoes and uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, neither of them actually threw that one horseshoe that got around the ring. Cause that shit is hard to do. 
Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> you know when they're playing the plum card game or whatever a few episodes right. ago? They should have just been playing poker, especially because they come from Earth. In Battlestar, it makes way more sense. They're, they would have different games. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason Pyramid works in, in Battlestar is they make it a central part of the plot in so many ways throughout. Right. You know? So I always say, use games that we're familiar with unless you know there's a specific reason not to. And so I love that they use horseshoes instead of trying to imitate it and do something that's just like horseshoes, right? It would make you think about like horseshoes the whole time. Um, it seems like being gamblers, too, they probably do play a lot of cards. Probably. I mean, it's card games like that are a good way to kill a lot of time, you know, poker or whatever that plum card game is. Um, I think they just like uh, Sean Mars saying plum. It, it comes out so smoothly. Yeah, he says plum pretty well. I will give him that. Plums are tall. <laughs> Very credible when he's Plums are tall. I totally yeah. believe plums are tall. By the way, Sean Matt, says it. I-, I figured out why you identify with Simon. Because like you, he's a super genius. He's extremely good looking and he lives on a spaceship. <laughs> I, I do, in fact, live on a spaceship. It's very, uh, at least in my own brain. I mean, yeah. I've said before, you know, I have a younger brother, so I can appreciate his devotion a little bit. I can relate to people who are characterized by feeling lonely or feeling out of place in the world around them, uh, which are both feelings that I have to deal with for various reasons from time to time. So uh, Sean's character, Mayor's character just speaks to me. Um you know, yeah. and, and he doesn't, but he's not tortured in the way Mal is. And uh, no. I think that's maybe why Mal, as much as it's a brilliant performance, Mal doesn't exactly speak to me as a, on a personal level in the same way. I can appreciate the performance, but Simon's character, I, I find more relatable. You know, Wash is too outgoing and funny. Yes. Jane is too violent and mean spirited. Uh, Book is too, I mean, I, I can be pretty reserved, but Book is way more than that. Um. Yeah, well, just to finish the thought I was saying before about the characters losing their naivete. Right. Um, yeah, I mentioned in the pilot that there's like Simon before the first 30 minutes of the pilot and then after. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, this is actually the birth of the next version of Simon, which is more clever, more cunning, um, more cutthroat, embracing mm-hmm. crime fully. Um, he doesn't quite distrust Jane enough yet, but he will get there. Pretty much. I mean, we, uh, in the, in the episode, um, Janestown, we see him actually be part of the plan. You know, he's, he's sort of the front, but he's at least involved in a way that he isn't involved in any of their schemes up to that episode. This is the first one where he takes charge and where he really uses his knowledge to spearhead this. You know, this is his deal. This is his idea. Um, there's just, there's so much uh, great world building that goes on here. First of <laughs> all, this looks amazing. Yeah, Their it really budget, does. I don't know how they made this junkyard look like part of the city. I know it's a giant green screen back there, but, um, but there's so much world building that this whole scheme takes care of i mean there you know i think there's probably more world building in this episode than any four or five episodes combined in some ways in terms of what they get in specifically about the inner planets and you know the medical system and the technology level and you know the security this is a great shot here he throws it what i love about wash is 
he's he's funny and outgoing and and light and clearly not an intellectual but he's not the kind of guy who's not an intellectual in kind of a shallow way like Mm -hmm. he's very perceptive when he wants to be he just chooses to have kind of a sunny disposition and that's exactly what war stories is about in the next episode is him having to confront that you know again being a little naive with that naive and also his own kind of feelings of inadequacy a little bit you know he's intimidated by his wife and he sees mal as somebody who can match her intimidation and that scares him uh, uh, yes the stories always with the stories yeah <laughs> all right so this is this is the procedure this is the procedural episode sorry missile cats listeners i'm a bit of a mess right now uh this is the procedural episode on top of everything else so oh my god this is so good this, this running is gag is amazing. That much like the uh, bushwhacked <laughs> interviews is edited extremely Zoe. well. To this is really some great amp Zoe. Humor. This is some great Zoe right here. We don't get to see her be this. Yeah, she's yeah, smiling. She's, yeah, she's struggling. She doesn't quite. You know, she's not getting it. She doesn't know what she's saying. Shame, shame about her face, Matt. Shame about her face. Yeah, we forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. Yeah. Oh, and the payoff with Jane when they get to the hospital. Is yeah, which yeah. I have a friend who's an EMT, uh, and he said, "Yeah, if we ever came, when we came in with bodies, there would never be some long story. They would just say, okay. bring them down." Um, okay, so you you know what a red herring is, Matt, and I'm sure yeah. most of our listeners do. Okay, and it's usually a red herring is a seeming plot point that leads to nothing, but it makes you think that it's leading to something. Right. But Joss Whedon has developed the style of comedy, red herrings, where he develops these strings that you think are going to be important to the plot that aren't and just lead to comedy bits. And so they're hilarious as opposed to annoying, like most red herrings are. Right. You know, if anything, they make this scene funnier is the realization. Yeah, exactly. This whole scene is leading to a comedy bit. That's the opposite of what they think. They're still practicing him here. Yeah. (laughs) I think Adam Baldwin is this stupid in real life, so they probably didn't have to try so hard. Damn it. Hell, I don't know. If I wanted school and I'd have gone to school. (laughs) I'll get it. (laughs) Zoe. She's praying. (laughs) Fake, but it's... All right, so it's time jump to here. Struggle, yeah. How long of a time jump? Uh, I would a guess week? probably no, twenty four to thirty six hours. You maybe. think they could restore this thing in twenty four to thirty six hours? I mean, Kelly's yeah. a genius, but this is a great shot here. Yep. I don't think they'd be comfortable sitting on an Alliance plant core yeah. planet. It's really for too a bad. Week. It's too bad they didn't make it this far in the series before cancellation because this is the kind of episode that would hook a mainstream audience. I think. I think so. I think this is. In terms of action, this is better than Train Job. You know, this is a really cool heist kind of an episode. It just uh, moves, you know? I mean, usually uh, on, like, popular network television shows, like the heist, it's talk, 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 talk. The heist takes two seconds, and then it's over, you know? Mm-hmm. This, they get right to the actual heist, and the whole episode is the heist. It's, it's brilliant. I can't imagine watching this with commercials. That's another thing with TV that between me and you, man, is I sometimes wait to get what comes on Netflix or Amazon just to uh, not have commercials. God, River's killing it here. Summer Glow is so good. This is, this, is a, this is a preview of her performance in... Uh, uh, serenity where she says put a bullet to me put right a bullet in my brain pan or whatever she Squish. says yeah. yeah but what's interesting about this little speech is it starts with her giving this very scientific explanation of what's happening and almost all the time when she speaks it's either gibberish or it's poetic it's very rare 
that we see the the purely analytical part of her brain that you know when you know that's also part of her character that she is in fact an actual genius that her understand ability to learn concepts is really fast and really advanced and that's a moment where we actually get to see her use some of her pure brain power as opposed to you know the psychosis or the psychic stuff um this is also a huge moment for mal and river even though they don't interact a lot directly mm -hmm. but the way even when he's telling i mean when he tells simon to, to to confine her to quarters it's like to protect her you know i mean from jane killing her or something else i, I yeah i think it's and and i think man it's possible mal would have gone through with this harebrained scheme just for the money but i think the fact that this could help river puts him over the top in accepting this mission they don't say it you got to read between the lines you got to see the show a few times you got to see the movie a few times but when when you when you juxtapose the end spoiler alert where he almost flushes jane out of the airlock for betraying them right. with river saying is it time to go to sleep and he says no may may it's time to to wake up or whatever he says just gives you chills at the end oh, yeah it's one of it's my favorite ending to an episode for sure uh, I've never bought that Mal buys into this because it can help River. I think he certainly thinks that's a valuable thing to do. But I think if there wasn't a payoff... Yeah, I'm reading into it. I told you. Right. I, I, I'm reading an interpretation into it. I don't think it's inconsistent with what has happened before and certainly what will happen later with the you know between objects and space and the movie. Right. I, I think he's able to maybe put look at it more favorably because it does offer a chance to help somebody out who he can see is suffering. But uh, I mean, to finish my it, thought, if oh, the payoff wasn't what it was, if the value of the medicine wasn't very of much, course. I don't think he'd have gone through no, with it. I know. I, I'm just saying it's just like a little extra, a little extra push. Sure. Speaking of push, you know, one of the things we, we talked go. about in a previous episode, <laughs> how we hold on. Here's the payoff. Here's the payoff. Click, click. Take it out the work. The cortical electrodes. Jane has to show that he can get this, and the nurse doesn't care. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Sorry. No, I. We talked in one of the previous episodes about how whether or not it's a good thing or it's a, or it's a bad thing, all of the border worlds they go to look very similar to each other. And one of the things Ariel that I think makes that ep this episode stand out so well is how visually different this planet looks. I mean, this is a slick, bright, clean, sanitized. And I use that word kind of literally in part because they're in a hospital uh, setting compared with everywhere they've been, even the rich world in Shindig um, or the rich part of, you know, Badger's world is very, think very they were, different than this planet. I think they were saving up their bucks for this episode in the following they episode of War been. Stories. Yeah. I mean, these are entirely <laughs> okay. new sets that you don't see in any other episode i mean this is this is what doesn't add up remember how i i, I pointed out that mal was very specific with how the two shuttles and out of gas were going to be comprised to keep jane away from them and right. now he puts jane in charge of them makes zero sense on mal's uh you know you can uh, from mal's perspective or, or from our perspective looking at mal right unless mal really thinks that he and zoe need to be doing the other thing it might be uh you may just I do remember you pointing that out in Out of Gas. It might have been that the reason Mal put Jane on a separate ship than 
Simon and River has nothing to do with fear that he might betray them if they were together. Oh, it, it may just have... You think so, but then this yeah. is inconsistent. If it doesn't... Right. I'm then blaming this as the inconsistency, not that, but whatever. Eh, who knows? I, um, I Personally, I mean, Wash had to go with Zoe because they're married, and Simon and River had to go with Zoe because Simon's not leaving River, and Simon's got to attend to Zoe. So it's four and five, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> he says jesus he's a religious man yeah. um i think it's just mal slipped but also it makes sense and this look look at this mission they need stealthiness zoe and mal or can be stealthy jane can't jane's yeah. muscle he figures he'll just shoot anyone who tries to get in the way it's not a bad plan if jane does his job yeah no definitely i mean if somebody were to confront them and somebody does I mean, Mal does a terrible job of it, but there's no way Jane would be able to talk himself out of a situation in this setting if he were confronted. These two don't pull it off either, but they have a better chance. I just Um, think it's interesting that not only is Jane trying to be subtle and selling them out, but he's not even doing a good job. You know, he's being mean to them. He's bossing them around. He's clearly insecure. I think some of it is he's scared. I mean, he's totally scared and he, yeah. That's the thing. There is a part of him that's tugging at his heartstrings. He'll never admit it. You know, he does feel bad about it, but he still goes through with it or tries to. I don't think he does feel bad about it, but I think he he is scared of River. I mean, River stabbed him two hours ago. um, Well, he's scared of her psychic powers, too. Well, he's scared of that, too, and that's going to get even... I mean, that comes back in uh, trash in a very, very funny... This accomplishes so much right here. She this predicts is, that he's going to die, which is going to scare Jane more, that she can read people's brains. Right. He actually, if you watch Jane's subtle facial performance here, you really focus on Simon, obviously, but watch Jane. He, he's flummoxed by the whole thing. This was important to show us that Simon was a, a, the super genius that he claims he is. Right. Um, because we don't get to see Simon in a true doctor setting ever. And it's, a, it's really cool to actually watch him work and see how good that he was. I would also say this is the moment where Jane has at least a small crisis of conscience about what he's doing because he sees what Simon is and he can't keep thinking of them as just something to sell for money. Um, Absolutely. We needed, I mean, look, look, we're not even 20 minutes in, man. This is network television 101. I mean, I, I, you know, 99% of TV writers can't write like this or or haven't been able to. I don't know why. This is so thrilling. Uh, Yeah. This is as good as dramatic. I mean, and it's the only scene like this. Tacky, by the way, for people who don't know, that's tachycardic. It means your heart rate is beating too fast. Uh, I thought it was like tachyons, like from Star Trek. Nope. Tachycardia means an irregularly fast heartbeat. Um, so are tachyons in a, a regularly I don't know shaped particles or something? I, I thought tachyons go backwards in time. Whatever. This is this is Simon's most badass moment is when he is just tearing this yeah. medical resident a oh, new ass. So so what I was gonna say earlier, man, about the the Mal Simon River dynamic is that if you really your think about should it, be dead. Right, your patient should be dead. Get reason walks reason off the right axe. Totally disgusted. Look, yeah. Yep, I mean it's kind of a predictable scene, but it's so well executed and well acted. That I'm done. And look at Jane; he's he, yeah, like you said, he's not really sure. And um, it's back to something I've said repeatedly about Simon: is he does have these core directives to his personality, and one of them is this, you know, some version of the Hippocratic Oath, where he he can't not help people who are in need of medical care. And so, even in the middle of this heist, clear. where they are in a lot of danger at all times. 
he can't let a patient die, especially due to medical incompetence. You know, he can't watch another doctor kill a patient Which, by accident. I could argue philosophically he should have let that patient die. He put himself and his sister at risk because of that. Yeah. You know how many patients are almost dying or dying all over the the, the world right now? I I, I think sure. that's a that's a conceit of moralizing in television. I'm totally fine with it because it's a character building moment. If you're a utilitarianist, but, yeah, he that's the wrong call. No, but, no, no. It just it's well, a matter of hold on. It's a matter of moral priorities. Right. I would prioritize my sister's life over some random person in this okay. situation. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I'm 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 glad he did it from a humanistic standpoint. Right. But really quickly, just to get my point, and I'm going to throw it back to you, is that w- whenever Mal threatens to throw them off, you'd think it's because of River, but it's usually just because he's annoyed at Simon for various reasons. R- River's never the reason directly. You know, It's always Simon's reaction to River, which goes back to what you pointed out, which is that you know Mal does come to relate to River in a certain way, but Simon and him never will, will really relate, I don't think. I think right. he also realizes there's something futile and maybe even dangerous about really confronting River directly, even oh. though he does it a little bit at the beginning of uh, Bushwhacked. Yeah. Um, you know, Simon has said he will be responsible for River, and he can see that Simon is the lucid one of the two. So he's the only one Mal yeah. can confront. Yeah, Jane and can so, never do this. Right. Sorry, back to, back to, my, to, to my point earlier which I will retract slightly, which is, yeah, Jane couldn't be here. Jane had to be with them from just a military planning standpoint. He wouldn't have been able to do this shit. Look at them. I mean, they need crib notes, too, just to get it done, and then they throw all the medications in. And we know that Jane is a slow reader, so there is a question of how quickly could he move through reading these labels, getting what's what. I mean, yeah. I, I was going to say that's oh, not right. the letter from his mom. His character, yeah, right? He reads slowly. Yeah. He is he'll admit he's not very smart and to be able to do that to get in and out that quickly you've really got to be able to scan and know what stuff is in a matter of instance i love this and again there's a direct line from this into like 30 minutes into uh into serenity you know yeah he was he was planting like i said you combine this with bushwhack uh, that's basically what the movie came from yeah but from a narrative standpoint character standpoint this is way more important Mm -hmm. no i I, Um, I say so i was gonna ask you man um you know, are, is there any other show out there that is for adults and about adults, but it's still a family show at the same time? Like, it's it's all about family. Like, they're one big family. Like, there's just not that many shows like that. I don't know. You um, know? Usually I, when it's like Seinfeld or Friends or How I Met Your Mother, know, it's Super like a very Girl? cynical I mean, look. Supergirl is all about family. Yeah. I, what I'm, I'm saying is shows about adults that aren't sitcoms or super serious dramas uh, on TV tend to be very shallow about people in their 20s and 30s in New York or wherever, you know, living selfish lives and, and mocking it, you know. Right. This is a very uncynical view, uh, at least of their main characters. Um, well, that's but very, very convincing at the Whedon, same time. Even if he likes killing people that you that fans like, he is ultimately, I think, uh, an optimistic, hopeful film and, and show a filmmaker and showrunner. Yep, he manages to make Robert Downey Jr. even after the creation of Ultron sympathetic somehow. Yeah, with with, with an assist of Robert Downey Jr. She feels everything she cannot write. But even here, Jane is starting to get affected a little bit by what's going on. He's realizing. Even if he doesn't like Simon, that this conflict that Simon is involved in, nice little visual cue there, is uh, worth, it's a fight worth having, and that maybe he's on the wrong side. 
So this is in perfect continuity with the movie in that he gets enough information to help calm her a little bit from mm-hmm. time to time, but not enough to quote unquote cure her. Right. Which is important that she's not get cured via medical means. She gets cured via sort of psychic uh, means. Yeah, it's c- kind of catharsis, basically. You know, the secret is out, and so she doesn't need to hold on to it anymore. Um, the filming of this is spectacular, too. I think it said Molina was the one who did this episode, who directed it. Uh, I think that's right, yeah. yeah. Um I uh, I don't I can't remember who wrote this I mean, the, episode. The, I the was this language, one of my near episodes. It's possible that you know the the relaxing language pace of most episodes is clearly not in effect here. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. This one is really fast paced. It's really tense. I think the tension in this episode is much stronger than the tension they're going for in Bushwhacked. Yeah. Um, you know, but I this think is, this. Sorry. I think this episode is maybe not quite as viscerally scary, although it gets pretty freaky once the guys with the blue hands show up. Yep. But I think it's absolutely uh, a sus- this, the level of suspense and tension is greater than uh, what Bushwhacked achieved. Yeah, but in constant Whedon fashion, uh, uh, you know, in classic Whedon fashion, mm-hmm. as great as all the action is in the middle 20, 25 minutes, for me, the most memorable or just the scenes I love the most are the preparation scenes in the beginning and then the dramatic stuff at the end. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, they can pull off an action-packed episode like no television show can, and yet it's the, it's the little subtle character moments that, that stick with me, at least. I, I love watching this, but this isn't what, you know... Oh, my God, here we go. Watch uh, with the hat backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Background info on this... Uh, um, Have you heard Colin Cowherd's theory of quarterbacks? He I says... He says if uh, he, I know he's a douchebag, but he can be funny. Uh, he says, uh, nev- never, uh, never draft a quarterback that likes to wear his hat backwards. Hmm. Only the ones that wear their hat forwards. So this episode was written by Jose Molina and directed by Alan. I don't know if it's pronounced Croker or Craker, um, who among other things directed the series finales for deep space nine Voyager and enterprise. I don't know what to think about that because honestly, really? The Deep Space Nine series finale was okay. The Voyager series finale was meh. And the Enterprise finale was horrible. What did you think about the Next Generation series finale? All Good Things. I loved All Good Things. Love All Good Things. Okay, we're on the same page. He didn't do that one, though. I know. I just wanted to know if we agreed (laughs) in general on finales. Oh, I I thought it ended wonderfully. I remember watching that live. And I love watch scenes of the Enterprise guys playing poker. Um, I was like crying through that whole episode. I couldn't believe it was over. Yeah. Don't look in the closet. I was on vacation it's green. and I insisted on staying in my hotel room to watch that episode as it aired. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been over uh, over break. <laughs> She's so not scared of him. <laughs> oh, man. Now, what's interesting is all this stuff that River is saying, I don't know if exactly everything quite jives up with the idea that the only thing she really knows is that the alliance created the reavers she says they came and they took christmas away and only left coal i'm not sure all of those lines quite work you know as a a metaphor for the one secret so i don't think she's she's felt the secret yet that's the whole point she hasn't been triggered i mean i've said before it's maybe she doesn't quite know what she knows she just knows something that's making her nuts 
Um, she even says some of what I feel can't be quantified, which I think is her way of saying, I'm not even sure what I'm going through, but anyway, I guess what I love about the Reavers as not a zombie guy is it takes the complete zombie cliche of what they look like and how they were created and everything and Mm -hmm. puts it in this lived in universe. And it makes more sense here than anywhere else. I mean that the Alliance would create accidentally, but through similarly, you know, nefarious means something like the Reavers would make total sense to me that this guy, right? Guys like this, that's talking to Simon, you know, would create Reavers trying to control other people. You know, I mean, when Wash says another great moment from Simon, by the way, where he just stares this guy down and makes him uncomfortable, even though he's in handcuffs, but he's not blinking. His eyes aren't moving. He is scaring the shit out of this guy. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, uh, no, no, it's fine. You know, I've said I love Simon. This is Simon's episode to really be a badass. Yeah. and he, he, he's putting on a front too. I mean, he's not really this tough. It's just protectiveness over his sister that gives him the, gives him the courage. And that's what informs his character. Sure. But he pulls it off and it's believable. I mean, there are all kinds of TV shows with confrontations like that where you don't buy what's going on, but there you can buy how much he, you know, how sto kind of adrenalized he's feeling. And then we get a pretty cool moment moment from Jane. This is a nice fight. I like the ways that Simon is able to, you know, use what he knows he to at least, yeah. Yeah, at least knock this guy out. Yeah. But, you know, you know, good, good actors ask that they actually be restrained in these scenes because it, it, it's easier to act. It. He's going to kill this guy. Oh, right. River knows it. Yeah, he, he chokes this guy to death or breaks his windpipe or something like that. Um, meanwhile, Simon... I'm pretty sure that just knocks this guy out. He just puts his knee over his chest until he runs out of breath. I don't think actually we know he doesn't die because the men with the blue hands are going to show up and deal with it. Um, you know, what hasn't improved since we were five until now, right? Our cheesy punching noises on television. They're still <laughs> just as bad. You watch daredevil or something. I mean, it's really, they still can't replicate what an actual punch sounds like because if you ever hear an actual punch, it's brutal. It's a really disturb. You know, you talked about the high pitch of the guns to make them right. less realistic. A real punch to the face is is, is really brutal. Well, uh, it's I think also we there's just usually a sound of them. bone breaking because if you punch with a closed fist, I understand that's how you break your hand. That you yep. actually you want to leave air or something, you know, not close it all the way so that the tension distributes down your bones a little all bit. Right. More that safely. looks like a Kilrathi ship. If you if you played a Wing Commander growing up or stolen by Battlestar Galactica, it's a Cylon Raider. They stole it from Wing Commander. Yeah, but kind there. of in the opposite direction. Like a Cylon Raider, the the rounded part would be the front with the the visor like effect. Here, I always got the sense that's the back and the the ends are the front of the ship. Um, what? Wait, what? No, the Cylon Raider has like the two wings, the bat wings that like come out to the front. Right, but there's still that rounded part in the middle with the red light going back and forth that looks like the Centurion's helmet. Yeah. Okay, so we've got bullet guns, we've got laser guns, we've got right. this sort of advanced taser stun gun. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is an interesting plot choice here. What is this? Why do you think they decided to do this? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It doesn't really seem necessary. Um, I do find it interesting with the guns. I, I kind of got the sense that this universe is perceived as kind of technology evolves in bits and pieces and uh, 
you by know, the way, so- before these people's ears bleed, um, <laughs> a quick correction, and, and I always get this mixed up because uh, Summer Glau looks like a close friend of mine who's half Chinese. Um, she actually is 100% white girl. Really? Yeah. So where does Glau come from? That seems like an odd last name, but... I think it's probably German, but, I, 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 you know... Oh, her facial structure just doesn't... But Tatiana Maslany also doesn't look like a 100% white girl either. So there you go. I, I, I feel like... Uh, Who do you think scarier? The, this guy or the guy with the crazy eyes? The guy with the crazy eyes. Yeah, because of the eyes. Yeah, the eye makeup is... But is I, think, I think the eye guy is the, is the I'm going to scare you guy, and this guy is the I'm going to kill you guy. I think they both are pretty damn scary. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is... Ooh, ooh, I want to do this one. No, no, no. I want to do this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. How'd they get away with this? This I is mean, the Weed and Buffy thing. He could only get away with it. That's pretty brutal for a somewhat understated effect. Like, this isn't Tarantino where blood would just be shooting out of everything. It's just yeah. lightly pouring, but it's out of his fingernails and the sides of his eye. It's like he's yeah. dying, like, oozing from the inside out. It's a freaky effect. and. Yep. You know, if you're listening to this audio commentary, if you can hear the screams, if turn the, the noise up a little bit, you should, because it really does amplify the terror of this scene. It's a very frightening few minutes when they're chasing them and you can hear the screams signaling that they're getting closer. So question for you. Even Jane gets freaked out by it. They, they decided not to use Hands of Blue in the movie. They used Chiwetel Ejiofor, right. who's worth like a thousand character actors. Pretty um, much. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's be honest. Um, do you think they decided to suddenly make them blue of almost the same shade with their ships and their uniforms in the movie because of the blue thing? Or that was just an aesthetic choice? I think it's just an aesthetic choice. Mm-hmm. And, but I do think the idea of them wearing these hospital gloves, I talked about how this world feels sanitized, where the, whereas the rest of the, co- the outer worlds feel raw and dusty and dirty and down to earth, literally, because a lot of them are farmers. So there is something symbolic about these guys who won't even get their hands dirty that they the operative is the opposite of these guys. The operative wears no gloves and kills people with swords. These guys wear gloves and kill people with weird devices that don't force them to use any physical force whatsoever. And And the operative has a weird sense of honor. Just point being, it works. Like these guys are high level bad guys, but the operative is on like, you know, an operative of the parliament as they call him. You know, he's as powerful or more powerful than parliament members. Absolutely. The fact that the operative can like keep them off the radar at the end of that movie by convincing Parliament to leave them alone at least temporarily just shows how powerful these guys are. Not that powerful. These guys are these guys are advanced thugs. They're like they're like Red Skull, you know. Well, I always got the sense that there's a fair number of them, and I think there's probably a few operatives, but I don't think there's a whole black ops division of of the government that which is what I think these blue guys seem to be representing oh god nathan Fillion, is such a dude you gotta watch con man it keeps getting better yeah better. yeah it's so yeah funny. i'll get to it at some point I'll, I'll, I'll give you my password you can watch it with your con with the uh, app um uh, nathan Fillion's comedic timing is, is just spot on <laughs> all right kaylee didn't do anything the whole time Woo! Yeah, kaylee helps out a little Inara does nothing and book isn't in this episode yeah. There's a line about you could be off with uh, Shepherd Book uh, yeah. meditating, and that seems, seems like sitting around doing nothing. That is do- sitting around oh, doing looks nothing. Great! This looks so good. I can't yep. believe they pulled this off. I know Battlestar was around the same time and had better, much better special effects, but it's just different. There's a 
both shows, um, but I um, sometimes think this show pulled it off even better, have a lived-in feeling to even their most techie-looking stuff. And so if you just accept that this bright white crew, you know, EMT gunship, whatever this thing is, okay, you know, so is exists. That what are they stepping out of right now? That, that looks seamless. Somebody bought that thing. There is an actual yeah, prop real. of this ship that somebody owns and has in like their backyard. It. You had to do it. Uh, he knows. Uh, he, yeah. Oh, that's the hug you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, um, they do improvised. They do. And what's great is they love Jewel State in real life as much as they love Kelly. You know, all these, all these characters are playing to their personalities, which partially explains why not a lot of them have had major success because you can only go so far with playing yourself, especially when Joss Whedon maximizes your potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, is I there any so. actor here? who was not maximized by Joss Whedon. Is there any actor here who's had a significantly more amazing performance anywhere else? Um, Other than I, maybe Marina Baccarin, depending on your criteria. You know what? Nathan Fillion has had a really long, successful career. I didn't Castle. watch Castle. And oh, so, I, yeah. so I can't comment <laughs> whether or not Castle was a better representation of who he is as a person. It was not. I mean, he, well, he has said in interviews that he did not think Mal r- was anything like him. You know, he so maybe that that part took advantage of Nathan Fillion's acting. That's ability. bullshit. If you ever listen to him on the commentaries, he's exactly like Mal. Maybe he is, but he said he's an alpha saw- male who loves everyone else but loves to be in charge. Oh, yeah, this is but great. This, the sense of being tortured, of being twisted and hollowed inside. Mal Nathan Fillion has said he couldn't oh, relate yeah. to any of that stuff. No, so, well, that's that's acting. But 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 his character in Castle was way more superficial than he is in real life. So it's, it's you know that if you watched a lot of episodes of that, I've seen one or two. Um, I mean, it's it's. I know it's hard to accept that a network, pol- you know, police procedural would better characterize a person than something this cool. That's not what I said. I said most of these actors are playing themselves. Not all of them, and they're playing variations. I okay. said I said maximize the potential of the actor. Maybe the castle character is more like what Nathan Fillion is as so a person. You who gives two shits about box office numbers and, and right. TV numbers are telling me that Castle, because it made a lot of money for seven years, is somehow better Nathan no. Fillion portrayal. No, no, no. what on. I'm saying is I've never seen Castle, or at least not it's enough not good. to get it's his character. It's not horrible. Character. It's, not, it's watched, really not bad. It's, you've watched it, I, more than an episode or two? I've seen like three or four episodes, yeah. I don't think that's enough to make a conclusion about whether or not that character is more like Nathan Fillion as a person than this one is. Um, In 20 years, no one will be talking about Mr. Castle or whatever his character is. They'll still be talking about Mal- Malcolm Reynolds. That's certainly true because network TV shows like that don't have fan cults the way genre shows do. Which is why genre shows are going to Netflix and Amazon for this exact reason. Kinda, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's let's put it this way: the Expanse, whether it's good or not, might get more views on Amazon than it did when it was on Sci-Fi. Uh, that that may or may not be the case. I have no okay, idea. Okay, here we go. Here's real um, acting right. <laughs> from from Adam Baldwin. From both of them. I mean, the anger well, you can yeah, see, yeah. even though you don't even see Mal's face, except from profile or through a dirty, greasy window. The rage he's feeling comes through completely. So when he when he implies that the betrayal of him was worse than the betrayal of uh, of the Tams, do you, do you believe that that's the case? Yeah. Uh, well, or, or he's just trying to make him feel even more guilty than he does. 
I think he's trying to say what he's been saying since the beginning is if I can't trust you, I can't have you on my ship. Um, and I can't let you live cause you know too much. So, you know, this is not a person that he can really get rid of alive because Jane could very easily tip off the feds again and give them a lot of info that would help them catch him and Simon and river. Yeah. I love that line. But yeah. I, but I'm going to stab also, me in the back to it to my face. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would also say, though, that, you know, I've said before that Mal sees the people on his ship as returning something to him that he lost in himself after the war. And so to see Jane betray these people who are personifications of things that that Mal wants is like betraying something in Mal himself, you know? Right. But what I'm saying is the his heavy implication is that what he's most hurt by is the betrayal of him, Mal, as opposed to these two. Or it may be but that... I think he's playing... Let me just finish. I think he's playing on his much longer relationship with Jane yes. by saying, you might not like these two. I think this was horrible what you did, but if nothing well, else, you betrayed me. Yep, there it is. It's a, that little handhold and that look. I, this is so subtle and so good. Yeah. You're right, by the way. I needed to just point this scene out because I just, I love this episode lie back and it's so tender even as he's sticking her with a needle. No, but you're right. Uh, he knows that Jane doesn't have any respect for Simon and river and he can't get through to Jane. Why exactly. he can't betray Simon and river. So he has to make it clear exactly. that betraying them is like betraying Mal who Jane does respect at least yeah. a little bit. So as we wrap up and get to war stories, which I cannot wait for, um, between now and when Jane says, didn't we have an elaborate plan for them to be not here and serenity? Right. And at that point, you almost could understand why Jane would want to get them off the ship. They really are a major danger to them at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, does he try and, and do anything? Or, or I guess River during trash when they realize what's going on, you know, says I can kill you with my brain. He just kind of lies low <laughs> until he gets another chance at the movie. <laughs> That, yeah, no, another, no, no. Is there There's, another betrayal attempt is what I'm saying? No, not that I can think of. There isn't in the message. There isn't in war stories. There mm-hmm. isn't in, you know, he locks Simon and River in their room during war stories, but he doesn't really ever seem to consider turning them into Niska. Um, and there isn't in objects in space. Uh, he doesn't help them, but that's only because he doesn't really quite understand the ship is being invaded. Um, and it's more funny than being intentionally uh, callous. So no, between now and when he frees River to try to incapacitate her in Serenity, that's it. He never tries anything again. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, BizzleCast listeners. This is one of our favorite episodes. And the next one, War Stories, which we're about to jump on, uh, is one of my favorite episodes. I don't know if Matt agrees. We will hear about that. You'll have to stay tuned, and we will see you there. Uh, BizzleCast out. All right, here we are with War Stories. Leads directly from Ariel. We got the brain scans going. All right, so this whole bit about Shine Yu, by the way, man, mm-hmm. I don't think he was a real guy. I don't think but so this, either. It, this is the definition of, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, although I've never referenced this uh, episode of the show in particular, this is the definition of philosophical sadism, which is a real thing. 
you know, people say, well, where does sadism come from? Well, it comes from a dude in, you know, medieval Europe, Marquis de Sade, right. who would, you know, torment and torture his lovers and other people to get pleasure. And that that's where the term sadism comes from. But the notion of philosophical sadism is that, you know, us being such a vulnerable and delicate beings who are susceptible to pain, um, and most of us, you know, being cowards right. and just animals and so forth, that the only way to really find out who's truly human uh, is to create pain to such a level um, that it it brings out, you know, the quote-unquote real person. And we hear that with Niska and with this opening dialogue between sure. these two. Um, I think it's interesting that Shepard knows uh, this particular bit of philosophy, um, but specifically that he would apply it here, and he recognizes the sadism and what's going on with the Alliance. I don't know if this jibes with the overall uh, narrative about um, River, but it certainly works from a character standpoint. Go ahead, Matt. All I was going to say is I kind of am with Simon on this, that this is just uh, torture legitimized by florid prose, that, you know, whatever philosophy you have about what sadism maybe allows you to learn about a person or a person to learn about himself strikes me as something somebody came up with as a way to justify hurting other people because they get probably something sexually thrilling out of it. Um, And look, if if it's all consensual, hurting each other, S&M, whatever. I mean, that's fine. I mean, if that's your thing, go for it. Um, but I, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a lot of deep philosophy about meeting the real person when you hurt them. I, I think it's maybe you both just like it, which is fine if you both actually like it. Well, and that's the shepherd's point. The shepherd's point is not that that philosophy is true, but that the people who did this to her may be true right. in, their, in their minds and in mind of this guy, Niska. Um, but there, there are some uh, neo-Confucian, post-Confucian philosophers um, whose names are escaping me and I can't look up on the internet right now because it's going to crash my computer as I try and record this, <laughs> um, who talk about uh, us, sh- you know, we should live in a state of basically just above poverty because we are the most generous and we are the most real with one another and, and we live day to day right. and, and it brings out the best in humanity. I'm not saying I agree with this, but there's like a the serious strain of Neo-Confucian philosophy that says we should live in poverty and which informed Mao and all sorts of dictators in China right. and elsewhere. Um, to this this exact idea. So uh, even though this isn't based directly on a real philosopher, it is based on a number of philosophies, east to west, which of course completely uh, in how it works in, in the east-west genre of the show. Sure. I mean, uh, even earlier than that, asceticism was all about the idea that you, know, you can only yeah. live pure if you live in an impoverished state. Now, Buddha kind of looked at that and said, I don't think you really have to torture yourself this much to achieve nirvana. You just have to not hold on to attachment quite so much and treat each other better. And you can eat whatever you want if, if you can live that way. So, um, but yeah, the, the idea that austerity brings truth is a very old idea. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. And it's certainly one which, you know, which the people in charge of the Alliance, uh, not the Rebel Alliance, it's getting really hard with Star Wars coming out, Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Alliance in the show, which is basically the Empire, is an idea that they would want to promote, absolutely. right? I mean, that's exactly the kind of idea they would love to promote. Now, the guy in Confucianism, this is gray here, and this is th- there's a direct line from here until the end of the, the series, I think, mm-hmm. between uh, Kelly and River. But the Chinese philosophers weren't actually 
uh, from what I remember, doing it for <laughs> political reasons. I'm sorry, he says, this Chef not clean no, enough, okay. and then he looks at his hands like, oh, how am I <laughs> But, you know, but, but, you know, I'm saying there are people not in power that also think that that's a good idea, you know. Yeah. I mean, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, I think, would be on board with that to a certain degree, or certain readings of Nietzsche. Well, the... The, the sword fights. religion major in me would say it's to the powers that you know the people in charge's benefit to convince yeah. the people who don't have power that not having power is the state you want i mean look look the practice of self-flagellation in certain extreme forms of christianity is exactly this thing right you know is causing extreme pain to yourself to prove how pious and, and faithful right. you are no power in the verse can stop me. Yep. Write that line down, folks, in your little journals. Yeah, that one's going to come back in this episode. Oh, here it comes. Sort of. God, I love this. I, I just, I'm sorry, man. Th- this to me is narrative brilliance. This episode, the way they flow into the main story right here. Well, you know, you think Joey's just telling stories. Mm-hmm. You have no idea Wash is going to blow up and what that's going to set off. And, and it, 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 you know, it, it, it answers or at least addresses a question that we've all had, which is how is Wash not jealous of, of Mal, uh, you know, or uh, of Zoe to, with, with Mal? I never had a jealous of, jealous for, I never know how to say that. Why isn't he jealous with, you know, with Mal around, with Zoe? You'd think they would have a history together, right? That would make sense. I mean, I've ne- I never wondered before I, episode, I saw this episode, how is he not jealous? But I have always wondered... How? What does he think of his wife having this pre-existing, very intense, if not sexual, and I don't believe they ever actually slept together, uh, <laughs> relationship with each other? Because to go through war together, to kill and watch people around them die, it would create a specific bond that no marriage could match because that's just a different kind of relationship. And so the idea that he would never be affected by that is preposterous. So the question of how does he deal with that well, clearly, it's been eating at him. Um, I think the fact that Kaylee picks up on it so quickly is important for her character. You know, we see her so happy-go-lucky, but she's not as naive as she appears. You know, yeah, blew their heads off, huh? So even yeah. you know, she's a realist about this stuff. You know, yep. Yeah, and I think that's what the show is all about. You know, being an optimist is not about ignoring reality and just being happy-go-lucky no matter what. It's being optimistic despite how horrible reality is, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's kind of the point of, of Kaylee's character, of Simon's character to a certain degree, of Wash's character to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, it's fine to look on the bright side if you're <laughs> delusional, but if you can truly still see the good even if... Uh, even if you see how bad the world is, that's a true character strength, you know. I I love how Zoe flips this back. I gave honey. I I gave <laughs> Zoe flips this back on him really quickly, right? Because yeah. he does have a point in that she shouldn't have lied to him and said she never tried it. She yeah. should have just told him the truth. But then yeah. he goes off on this rant, and that's yeah. when he's you know she says you're losing the high ground here. He and this is of course the reversal of the traditional, you know, Western male female relationship where she's trying to protect him by lying to him. Right. Which is a classic thing that we hear about couples, you know, men lying to their wives supposedly to protect them, right? And clearly he feels emasculated by uh, by all of this because when he jury rigs the ship so he has to go on the mission with Mal, he tells Zoe in this very sort of nineteen fifties way, bye honey promise we won't stop off for beer with the fellas after you know very clearly the man going off to work and the woman staying at home and tending the house cakes 
She says, she says, condescendingly, you're losing the high ground. I'm calls him sweet cakes. Yeah. That's great. The thing is, the reason this episode works is because they've given us no reason to think she's ever slept with Mal up to this point. Right. And so you're kind of with her that he, he's being irrational. But if you look at the facts on the paper, you can also, you know, sympathize with him. Right. I mean, yeah. you're, you're with and not with both sides here. And that's what makes great marital conflicts. Right. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure that anybody who has been in a serious relationship or two or been (laughs) married has had some moment where just everything comes to a I'm a very jealous type. I'm an extremely jealous. Yeah, but I I mean, I've gotten way better. When I was younger, I was a very jealous boyfriend. I, I had problems with that. And it wasn't always rational, was it? Like sometimes no, you just blow it was up and what you start saying makes no sense. And, yep. uh, you know, you look back later and it's like, what the hell was I talking about? And I think, you know, these two love each other, but they also work together and they're around each other constantly. Occasionally they just kind of blow up, you know, like I bet every couple ever has done once or twice or maybe a hundred times. I don't know. I, oh God. I'm sorry. It's hard for me not to just watch Summer Glau do these performances. Yeah, the way she goes from lucid back, you know, and this is an especially sad uh, monologue because she talks about how she can feel the difference between when she's lucid and when she's not. And it's heartbreaking. Sun goes dark. This is the the put a bullet to me thing. Yeah, Yeah, this is a direct line from here to put a bullet to me. You know, what am I? And the hugging is so... So it's brother sister, and then she drops this line. Yeah, because brother you sister. need to have something to break the tension. <laughs> Watch what he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've said before that That's her funny. character is a little bit bratty, probably intentionally, just because of the function of her age. And when you get those moments and you see through all of the psychosis, they're very yeah. powerful. Um, it, it's you know it's funny, man, because. Me and my sister, uh, we have some elements. Oh, here we go with Jane. <laughs> this is great. We'll just let this play out. I want to get this across really quickly, though, which is that I talk a lot about me and my sister, uh, and uh, in some ways it's similar with Simon and River. I, I, I'm sort of. I'm not saying I'm smarter. I'm, I'm just the more intellectual one. I'm like mm-hmm. an armchair philosopher. She's a fucking school teacher in the inner city of Philadelphia. Like she's a fucking genius. But you know, I, I'm sort of the more philosophical one. But right. she's way more the more uh, she's way uh, more the more uh, um, uh, emotionally stable one, and so it, it's sort of a role reversal in some ways. Watching uh, Summer and uh, and Simon, like I've been in Simon's place, but I've definitely also been in River's place too, for sure. <laughs> huh. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> it seems unlikely they wouldn't know that this happened. <laughs> glamorous yeah there's also i feel like there's something <laughs> simple, sim, there's some <laughs> phallic imagery of him holding the knife and it's got oh like, yes. this apple head on it um oh, yes. it's a great bit of visual whatever um here we go okay i'm sorry i can't wait for this i can do a little play-by-play here go ahead <laughs> you know what's coming i can't oh, zoe knows Here's a funny twist. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, sir. Yeah. Yeah, she knows what's going on exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Me and the captain. 
that actress <laughs> yeah. plays what's no part of this <laughs> the actress yeah. who plays the counselor by the way is named Catherine kendall uh she has been around for you know a good long while she's actually now she's 37 she's from memphis she was in monk briefly i'm lost i'm sorry i'm lost i'm angry and i'm armed this may be my favorite line in the series <laughs> right it's a milk run oh man here comes oh she's being a good wife but what i <laughs> <laughs> the well-written bit the chinese going down to uh yeah this this by here we come here we come promise not to stop for bears with the fellas <laughs> you know it, it's him regressing to this very kind of 50s older hat man you know male husband you know what i think I this is really about though man honestly i think this is actually about lack of male camaraderie because there's Mal and there's Simon and there's Book and there's Jane, mm-hmm. but he's not really close with any of them. No, he's not. The the only you know it, this is this is really more about him wanting time with Mal than it is Zoe, and I think that's what's so interesting. Or or something. I mean, yeah, you're right. The two or some male experience. He talks to the most are Kaylee, who is the only other person who's technical like he is. Mm-hmm. You know, they they enjoy working together on repair projects or his. Uh, wife so yeah no he doesn't have a relationship with jane or mal or simon or book so yeah he kind of is craving something so yeah Catherine kendall real quick she's from tennessee originally mm. she's 37 uh not a ton of real acting credit she was wait in- she's 37 now or in the show 37 now so at the oh my time God, wow she would have been about 33 uh no i'm sorry that doesn't make no. sense she's 47 now uh, yeah, I was like, there's yeah, no yeah, way she's, she's 37 now. And she was about 33 when she did the show. Yep. Um, she was in Swingers. Um, that's probably the biggest. Uh, she was on a TV show called Flatland, which I don't know anything about, but looks like. Okay, so this is this is what makes us not gratuitous, is that they specifically want each other's company to not be in the company of men for various reasons. Right. They're both bisexual to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You are so lovely this borders on exploitation they don't show the kissing you know and again like w- with all the inara yeah, stuff graphic right there huh? yeah that's that's a close kiss you're right i always forget about that that's pretty hot i'm not gonna lie I mean, they're pretty i'm not one of those guys all the sex scenes you know they they yes they yeah. do it well enough to look very sexy and still pass all of the basic you know the broadcast yeah. standards i mean joss joss is a romantic at heart but he's not a like sexual exploitation guy you know he likes love stories, but he could care less about sex stories unless it's serving a greater purpose. I was in a fire. Actually, I was fired from a fry cook opportunity. <laughs> it's a really well you're gonna, done you're gonna thing. Have to take, you're going to have to take over at points here, man. I'm going to lose it. with wa- This is the thing. I really like to wash up to this point, but when I got to this episode, I just died with Alan Tudyk. Look at him. Look at this physical comedy here. He is so good in the new Star Wars movie. I know you don't love it as much as me, but K2SO is, is every bit as hilarious as C-3PO in the original movies. For sure. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah. dragging the Watch thing. Watch the way he opens it. How cool he looks. Yeah, he tries to look <laughs> super cool. <laughs> I, I've watched this episode the most, for sure. Even though I hate watching torture, which is something I want to talk about. I, I'm not into the torture stuff. I hate Game of Thrones. I but I like Game of Thrones, two. but I can't stand torture porn like oh, Hostel or any Eli Roth movie, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, or any of the Saw movies. I've never watched any of them. Um, 
or like the middle of Quentin Tarantino's career. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Now some Head of that shot. is because all those movies sexualize the torture and here it doesn't, so I right. can tolerate it a little bit. Although Niska with his knife is a little phallic, I think. Yeah, but it's not women being tortured as That's some true. kind of sexual release. I mean, there's a scene in Hostel Two I think where, he's gay. I think Niska's gay is sort of implied. I, I could I, be wrong. I've never oh, seen that or really thought about it. I love how they wrap this up already. We're not even 20 minutes in. They're wrapping up this. <laughs> I think in general, Whedon's idea with sex scenes is that Ooh. when you make love, it's an incredibly intimate moment, obviously, and it therefore creates a setting that's natural. I love this with him raising up his feet like he's just about to collapse trying to lift this weight. Um <laughs> He's smirking. I almost just spit out my water. I swear <laughs> to God. Oh, my God. <laughs> grab your weapon. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, He's like, that, I'm about to grab my weapon. Yeah, I think that was very deliberate um, and very in line with how Whedon yeah. does sex double entendre. And by the way, this I'll, episode I'll points with, out like that maybe... Like the stick, you know? Yeah. But yeah. This episode points out that it may be smart to not always have Zoe and Mal go on every mission together. Yeah. You know, because if they both went, they'd be screwed. Yeah, that's because true. right now the rest of the ship would be Jane and the, everybody else. That's a very good point. Um, although, I mean, Jane does willingly go along on this mission. So, yeah, this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a direct line from here to the movie where, you know, where he's dying. Shepard book. And he says, I shot the I shot the what does he say? I shot the ship that shot me or whatever. Mm hmm. You know, sure. For, yeah, for Stu, sure. A little over delivery from Adam Baldwin there. That's but even fine. he gets that Jane this character. that book is not being. There's no reason even for hunting you would know about laser fire. I mean, do you really hunt rabbits with a laser? Um, I guess it'd be a cool way to hunt, but yeah. it seems like I overkill. Mean, the, the only problem with book is we just didn't get enough of the series to explore him. Yeah. You know, you know? I, I've said I mean, before, I'm pretty sure book was a plot that Whedon was going to save for a later season, and we just never got it. But you put him, but you put him, you take him with his current Catholic outfit, and you put his hair in cornrows, and you give him a full beard and, and you know, tattered robes. And he's such a badass in the movie, mm-hmm. you know. It, he must have been glad, even though they killed him. He had such a major role in the movie, and really felt more like what book was supposed to be there than he is here. Okay, here we go. Torture is hilarious. <laughs> I, not only here and nowhere else, but here, torture is hilarious. I've got some theories. Yeah. I don't want you to spare me, Mel. I'm going to turn this up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you tell me. Right. You want to spare Zoe. Mel just tells him to shut the fuck up. Planning and plotting and possibly scheming. <laughs> there is an interesting contrast here of how they each handled this exact same situation. Oh, yeah. Now, some of it is experience, obviously. Watch, watch. just talking. Right. Yeah. So I'm Zoe. Now what do I do? <laughs> right. Here we go. Here's your line. I love this line. She's terse. That can be terse. Once in flight school, I was laconic. <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> but see, right there, that line from Wash, if I'm not going to talk, then you have to. You know, this idea that he needs something. He maybe doesn't even fully understand what he needs, but there, there, he, you know, he's going on this because there is some need he doesn't feel like he's getting. And he, you know, if he's trying to get, get it. Where do you think this is coming from? What do you mean? 
She's my wife. Yeah. Gives See, you I right. feel bad for Mal because even though the situation too. is all about him, he doesn't understand that anything's wrong. Mostly probably because he's never Love cared what about their relationship to each other. <laughs> well, no. By the way, uh, the thing that Zoe wears around her neck is, is her version of a wedding ring. Not everyone knows that. Oh, really? That thing on the chain? Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Doesn't she take it off at the end of Serenity? No. Maybe not. No, she tightens it up. Yeah, I can't. That sounds right. Uh, sure it is. Oh, here it is. She married you! Right. Oh. <laughs> Even and, though she didn't like him at first as the pilot, you know, she didn't want him. And you get the sense, I mean, even in the audio commentary for this episode that Nathan Fillion did, uh, you know, they make it clear. Some of this is... He doesn't seem Jewish to you? He seems kind of Jew- like, a Jew- like a twisted Maybe Jewish grandfather. Right Sorry. with that lighting, but I mean, he's yeah. he's Russian and, and there's, you know, Russian Jews, Russian non-Jews, they're all, whatever. Um, Sorry, go ahead. You know, I think Mal recognizes that Wash is terrified, and the only way to get him from succumbing to that fear is to piss him off, make fun of him, crack jokes, belittle him, you know, force him down this delusional, irrational fight he's having with his wife because that sucks. But that's certainly better than thinking about the fact that they are tied up and about to get tortured for a while. So he's. Well, and this is. This is brilliant writing, is that Wash seems totally irrational to both the the Watcher and the people in the show for being jealous. It's clear they've never had anything sexual, and they certainly don't now, mm-hmm. but Wash is right that she would be here getting tortured with him right now. Yep. Now, she would maybe be able to deal with it for a while, but... This is inspired writing. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Their 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 argument is what keeps them alive here. Pretty much, and Mal Mal actually doesn't want to fight about this. But when he realizes it's the only thing that's going to get Wash through this, you know, wired enough and get him through this, he 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 makes it even worse just to keep him alive and keep him awake. Is brilliant. Yeah, that's basically what I was just saying. Is you know this he doesn't really want to have this discussion ever, but getting you know wash irrational and thinking about his own inadequacies in regards to his wife and lack of male companionship is better than succumbing to the psychological effects of this nonstop torture. Um, and that's a half truth, by the way, from wash Mel has intimacy issues, but his, for sure. you know, his, his dislike of shipboard romances, I don't think is based on that intimacy issue per se would right. be my interpretation but that doesn't mean he doesn't have intimacy issues and that's the thing you know i mean this this is always the best writing is when you're with both characters but you disagree with both characters at the same time right you know and everything's a half truth and everyone because they're emotional isn't is saying things exactly how they want to be saying or you know right mm-hmm. i mean but right there when he says you got to be wondering if i what our relationship was there's no i, I don't <laughs> believe for a second the two of them ever slept together or even ever thought of each other sexually it's just to get a rise out of him to to keep his heart going basically um yep yeah well yeah i will i mean this universe is similar to the battlestar universe and the the sexual equality thing right you know i mean you know apollo is only jealous of starbuck when she's actually sleeping with someone else you know like it's not just like any guy 
You know, like with Zoe, it's only this guy because of the history they've had. Screw you, get in line. <laughs> what I find interesting is the ways that even Niska understands what's going on. He's watching them. He's at, loving it. Yeah, he's yeah. loving it, but he can appreciate what's going on. He he can see what Mal is doing. He ain't going to stop for a second, but he can. Yeah. He sees tactics to survive being tortured at play, probably because he's tortured lots and lots and lots of people. Um, In the way that Nathan Fillion delivers the lines, sounds exactly how they're supposed to come across, which is he's just fucking with Wash to keep him alive and awake, as you've pointed out. Exactly. You don't actually buy any of those things as truths. And, and Zoe's so gorgeous that you can sell it, you know? I mean, that's the thing. I, she, you know, you, you so clearly buy that their close relationship is completely non-sexual. That's what I was going for. She was just a soldier, you know, that happened to be his number two and his best friend, mm-hmm. you know? She happens to be a woman, you know? That, that, and that never, never came across his mind, especially when you get to know Mal by this point. Right. You know he's a principled guy when it comes to women. You know, and he does have intimacy issues, as Wash points out, right. which, which proves Mal's point and not, you know, I mean, it's great. It's, it's absolutely great. It's great. It's great. And then, the, and then, you know, Wash, this is the beginning of Wash getting courageous and empowered later on in this episode. Right. When, when he realizes how brave uh, Mal is being. It's and also this true is, that, to be quite oh blunt, Zoe, Zoe is not Mal's type. I mean, you look at yeah. the people that Mal is attracted to. No. Zoe isn't that uh, all companions, by the way, or pre- or previous companions. Right, but, Let's you know, yeah. open, demure, but also yeah. confident and kind of commanding in their own way. Uh, you know, physical, like naturally physical, not withdrawn, outgoing. Um, there it is. As you pointed out, all the money they made from Ariel is getting handed over here. Then the very next episode, probably another reason the network and the you know the average uh, viewer didn't like it. Yeah, but as I've said before, nothing they do ever quite works out the way they think it's going to. No scheme goes quite the way they think. You know, even when they get away with the money, they wind up still losing it. Um, yeah. I mean, e- even when they revealed that the Alliance created Reavers, you know, it almost took down the government single-handedly. The best they got is a repaired ship and had yeah. to go back to the And they still the lost again. one of their own, I mean. Well, three, if you count. Right, exactly. And, you know. uh, and yeah, Mr. And Universe, who... Mr. Universe. How can you not love great, Jewish... Uh, great performance. Oh, my God, Matt, we've never talked him. about that. I'm sorry, we've never talked about the fact that Mr. Universe in Serenity has a Jewish wedding with a fembot where he breaks yeah, a glass and he's wearing a yarmulke. <laughs> sorry. I know that's inappropriate for here, but... <laughs> Laughing oh to the torture. But, I think Mal would approve. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, is this... Oh, they didn't, they didn't cut it yet. Here's a little, a little uh, twisted circumcision. Exactly. You know, the just one last moment to make sure you understand what's going on. Um, I mean, the problem with Castle is not that he wasn't good, but he doesn't get to do stuff like this. Well, yeah. Like, serious torture, you know, where he gets to scream, but be making jokes at the same time. Yeah, like, but not, you a- just don't not get every to do actor it. has to be tortured in a, in a role to show their no. metal. Um, no. That's no, but, you know, philosophical is, sadism th- of acting that, you know, and. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. You have to be able to play different sides of yourself. Right. And, and Tatiana Maslany has talked about how she would never be able to do five seasons of a show if she didn't get to do so many different kinds of acting. And that's an extreme example, but right, it's the same here. You know, I mean, even Wash ends up being so much more complex than you thought. He gets to play different sides of himself. Here we go. He's insane. 
I know. I mean, told the damn stories. He's completely with her and with him now. He completely <laughs> buys it and why she talks about it and why she looks up to him. And why this she maybe it. doesn't talk about it. I mean, do you, do you get the sense that they really talk about their time in the war all the time? That's a good point. I wonder if part of what's annoys, uh, what annoys him is that she only tells the story in front of audiences occasionally, but not yeah. like one-on-one with him. Yeah, I you never know, thought of that. This idea that Zoe's past she wants to keep from him because it's full of stories about biting into apples and people's bodies being blown in half and shit. And she doesn't want to talk about that. She doesn't want to relive yep. it, you know. Yep. And now this Zoe's impressed. You know, now she see. I mean – she never really stopped loving him, but she sees the side in Wash that she's been wanting to see. That she's Wash been trying to protect him. That's what right. I've been saying. She never wanted it to get to this point. But now that like, Wash yes, is she's impressed with this, she's willing. She's willing to go along with this. You know, she buys it. Um, By the way, if you ever hear the commentary for this, if you know anything about guns, or you just pay t- oh, there it is. Uh, Alitudic talks about. You know, yeah. Simon is pretty much just looking at it. Kalian and Ara are affected. Book is angered by it. Um, just watch, watch the gun that. <laughs> I wish the scene was it, a little better lit so you could see the facial. Reaction. Yeah, you can't see better. what's going on. Uh, here's the torture. Watch the gun that that Wash gets <laughs> covered up. You starting a book club? <laughs> <laughs> you trying, trying to torture me? <laughs> A book club joke in 2002. That was way ahead of its time. I think there were book clubs in 2002. No, there were, but they weren't as prevalent as they I are now. I think they were very prevalent. Book clubs, I feel like, have been going on for about 30 years. Well, apparently they've been going on for 530 years. Quite possibly. Um, no. yeah. Another thing that Based I guess this. has survived 500 years, we have horseshoes, Christmas, and book clubs. <laughs> God, I hate all of them. I'm not sure in what order. What kind of monster don't like playing horseshoes? <laughs> You're throwing metal at metal. Who cares? It makes such a cool sound. When you actually catch a ringer, it's awesome. Catch is so much more boring than horseshoes. By the way, I keep thinking this is going to turn into a squiddy bot and go into his belly. Yeah. He is going to go into his belly. It's sort of a matrixy looking kind of a thing for sure, you know. No, but they do their own thing. And what they do with the skin there is really cool where it's like all his veins are popping out. All right. So they have all this gun. I think this is done intentionally. Alan Tudor claims to complain about this shot coming up here. They have all this weaponry. Jane's saying, you know, as always, Jane's saying he's not going to do anything. We know he is. I think just because the fun of going onto a space station and shooting a bunch of people is probably too (laughs) much to pass up. (laughs) Grenades? Oh, yes. Thanks, dear. (laughs) Yeah, she's loving it. She's like, "Eh, this is what it takes to get close to my husband again. I'll do it. Yeah. And and, and this is the wife soup episode as well. (laughs) That's how it ends, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, I think Ariel in War Stories is kind of a two-parter. It's almost a movie, those two episodes back-to-back, in terms of the level of plot and character development and what it's setting up going forward in the series and the movie. Here it is. Sir motto. <laughs> Folks like us. <laughs> I think... Yeah, look at that. That's a tiny gun. He could, he could shove that in his pants. <laughs> and what's interesting is if you look at Zoe's face in the background there, she's smirking a little bit. I mean, I, I think yeah. she thinks he's, you know 
a little bit more pomp, oh, you know, yeah. a little more bark than bite. But well, I think it's Gina Torres is much smilier and more, you know, more of a laugher in real life. That she, she's oh, co- no constantly doubt. trying not to laugh in the show. You could kind of tell, <laughs> as you pointed out, in Quite a good way. It is, however, somewhat fuzzier on the subject of kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude. And that, I'm pretty sure that's Vera. Vera. I think. Yeah, that's Vera. Oh, that's definitely Vera. It's possible he does. Oh, uh, this is great. W- watch this fade to black here. Commercial break. It, it's a good faint. <laughs> I don't think anybody really believes Mal's dead. No, it's just Which is funny. probably why they bring him back to life the second yeah. the commercial comes out. Like, they don't even want you to be thinking. <laughs> Seems like the thing to do. I love that line. God, is the, ri- the writing is really top-notch. In, yes. throughout the show but there is some really pristine writing in this episode the puns the way they're edited together the way that you know the, it's it's laughing to avoid the pain of the torch i mean what's he drinking i have who knows scotch or water uh, or, i don't God, know are they pulling off fing- fingernails i, I always thought yeah, it i hate, I hate the nostril or stump something or rip out his teeth maybe i don't know it's it looks God. pretty lousy, you know. I'm pretty. It's not something I'd want to ever have happen to me. I don't think the Eastern European Nazi connection is lost on the writers here. <laughs> you know, this he seems like an evil Nazi scientist. Kinda, yeah, for sure. Um, and this is important here. You know, Wash is, is talking big game in terms of his uh, his guns, but it's the flying ability that's the most important to, to this operation. That's my man. Yeah, for sure. I do like after all that 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 bluster that Wash is kind of, yeah, he he he's kind of grounded a little bit at this point, right? You know, and now that he's really back in his element, he's pretty confident feeling. You know, I I mean, when we see him go into the gunfight in a few minutes, he, he holds his own, but his whole body posture, the way he goes into you know charges into new scenes, there's definitely a tentativeness. Whereas he's sitting up straighter, he's talking stronger, he can acknowledge how challenging what he's doing is without psyching himself out of being able to do it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what I keep saying about the straight line is that is even though I really like the episodes we have left, and we'll talk about how you know, they're a little mixed, maybe, mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the series, but if you just had Ariel and War Stories, and then you had the movie Serenity as like the finale... It would work directly after these two episodes. Yeah, I would Based say so. Based on the so. themes and the character stuff. I mean, you know, the fight against the Reavers at the end of Serenity, is, is they'd never be able to pull off here. And no. there's some actually some really h- hilarious stuff going on uh, with the characters who don't normally use guns, like Book and Wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't quite sure what to do. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. The only thing that's interesting that we're still going to get in terms of the plot is when there are identical can we keep Simon and River conversations in Objects in Space and Serenity. And I actually think the one in Objects in Space is a little bit better only because it does reference what goes on here. Whereas in Serenity, you feel like that stuff, they should all already all know this about River already or they or sh- they need to have it reiterated. Like yeah, they find yeah. out she's a danger, but don't they already know she's a danger because of objects yeah, in space? They couldn't have just made it for us, man. They couldn't have just made it for us. Right, had I get to that. Accept the exposition, yeah. But it's one of those areas where Serenity is oh. a, just a little bit clunkier, oh. you know. Understood. <laughs> yeah, 
It's it's funny that he needs an assault rifle for kneecaps, but that's right. fine. Yeah, it seems uh, not like the most oh, accurate okay. gun for... Watch Wash with the gun. He's really hilarious. He has no idea what he's doing. I, I don't blame Alan Tudyk for this whatsoever, and it's actually quite endearing. The way he, Zoe, of course, looks right, amazing actually, as always. She's doing, and Jane is. You know, I've actually been in firefights, not war zones, but you know. Yeah. By the way, the high pit uh, there it was. He, he looks like a, Jane looks like a musket man from the Revolutionary War. You know, standing up straight, just kind of. Or a, gu- a gun, or a, a gun for hire in yeah. Western. But I don't know what it is. Like Battlestar does have a little bit of the high pitchiness, but it's a much fuller and more violent sound. It really does sound like a comic book gun. Yeah, it does. Uh-oh, it here we go. Bam. <laughs> I guess it's the difference between Fox and sci-fi. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> Business ain't running so much as crawling away. And we made the real me. All right, bringing He's it back to the Chinese philosophy. I mean, that's some good facial acting right there. But yeah, in this battle, Wash acts like a guy who plays a lot of Warzone video games and wants to sure. pretend he's one of them. Um, yeah, that was a little slow there. It's hard to do, though, because no, she sure. wants to do her own stunts, and they want to shoot it live, you know? Like, why not? You know? Things like this, is these are like sprinkles, you know? Like, you know how people love sprinkles on ice cream? I don't even care about sprinkles. You know, right. they're nice. This is like a nice little sprinkles. That's not what you watch the show for. It's a pretty cool gunfight, though. I mean, it it's certainly cool. inventive enough. You know, the the but ways it's the character moments that are great. Look, look at that dodge he just made there. Right. This guy's clearly been in a major gunfight before. Kaylee's scared out of her mind. And there's a big jump between here and <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna live. <laughs> to hell with that. I'm gonna live. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> Once she realizes Simon loves her, she'll fight. Now she's, okay, here we go. This is great. And this is where the scene changes very dramatically from something that seems kind of irrelevant on a lot of levels to suddenly this is one of the most important moments. Look at that gun. That's a pretty badass shot. I mean, that's as good as all the Reavers are dead around her at the end of Serenity with the gun flashing in the light and the hair in front of her eyes. Uh, her her terminate oh here it is and the smirk the power of the verse could stop me the smirk and Kaylee yeah. is terrified and confused you know suddenly this scene becomes really 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 important to the overall mythology of this show um, absolutely absolutely and Summer Glau is great gunplay in, in Sarah Connor Chronicles but um in uh it, do you remember in the movie where she finally discovers Miranda she gets onto the bridge and Mal comes in and she holds the giant gun up at him yep they actually had to prop it was a gun that was actually bigger than the one we just saw they had to prop up her arm really because it was so heavy in the <laughs> angle she was holding it at for her to, you can kind of see it being propped up oh here we go this is the uh emperor in return of the jedi moment coming up right but it's a lot funnier well yeah that wasn't funny at all oh this is great yeah Jane, this, this is what gonna this- do it for himself no, he doesn't. No, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. Just all shoot him from behind. <laughs> Look at Wash. He has no idea how to shoot a gun. This That's is great. not particularly well animated. This is a rough bit of CGI right here. That I don't mind this. I'm I don't just, mind you know, it, but it doesn't look very good. I mean, no, it, it, it seems terrible. like he's sort of getting cut in half. I mean... But that's another example of this episode is one thing, and then they right at the end change the beat to a funny thing of he's got to do it for himself. No, it's not. Oh, okay. And they shoot him all from behind. Uh, I'm going to say something that many might not agree with. 
But I actually prefer Inara when she's not wearing like low cut shirts and stuff like that. I think she's so beautiful and sexy as she is, and 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 just regal. I don't know why we don't need cleavage. I'm not saying it's a horrible thing. I just you know what I mean, like with those with with those silk outfits that she wears, like right. the old school, you know, Chinese Japanese silk outfits, just make more sense. Well, for and one, I do wonder if they're exploiting her a little bit in the show. No, I don't think that's it. Um, I have a couple. Th- one, when she's just dressed like that, she feels like a part of this crew, and she, that's true. And she feels like, you know, that's if true. that's how she naturally dresses, would it approve. makes more sense why she'd be attracted to this oh, lifestyle. But Look I've said this. before that being a companion is Jill's playing day. a role. And so there's Inara, the real person, and Inara, the companion. And mm-hmm. when all of your clients are rich people that's and true. ambassadors and sons of moon tyrants and whatever, they're going to expect you to look a certain way and be really uh, fancy looking and class <laughs> and high class fish. looking. And so then when she gets <laughs> out of work mode, she strips down to something that's a lot more just comfortable, you know, loose yeah. fitting. And she's just sort of allowed to be herself. And so sure. if you prefer Speaking Inara of- dressed that way, it's because maybe you prefer her as she is instead of Inara, the, character she has crafted as a companion as a trained companion her dress is part of her training you know speaking of loose fitting yeah (laughs) you see the thing around her neck uh that black thing oh yeah that's their wedding ring oh all right cool that might have been her i can't remember who came up with that the torture (laughs) the torture the torture this is oh, this is well great. Done. This is so because great. they have no physical chemistry whatsoever, right. and that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> we have to get it on. I understand. I understand. We have no choice. <laughs> Give it to me, sir. Give it to me hard. Right? Take me. <laughs> Take, Take me hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is so <laughs> Both funny. Looking up yeah. and <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't eat the soup right. that she just made for him because they're gonna go have sex. Smacks her in the butt, which she's totally cool with. And Mel, and then, who's been the most I, tortured, look who gets to eat the soup. Right, and hits him <laughs> in the chest. I love that. <laughs> and that's how they close, yep. Jane. Free soup. Smacks, we, uh, smacks Nathan Fillion oh in the chest God. wound. <laughs> oh, God. I love that episode. I really do. It's it's great character development. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else to be said on that? I, I think that's it. You know, this is... Maybe not quite the level of humor they achieve in Our Mrs. Reynolds. Maybe not even Shindig, but it's a very, very cool episode. Um, definitely, you know, we're not quite to the final three episodes that are kind of the denouement from the show that are not quite as good, although they're all very good. Um, this is still one of the really top shelf episodes. Well, I think this episode, like Our Mrs. Reynolds and even Janestown, is that you know, in order for this type of humor to keep working, you need to keep having serious themes uh, and plots going on, right? I mean, you can't just have straight up hilarity, um, hilarity for a whole episode. You, you know, even our Mrs. Reynolds, it gets pretty dark. You know, mm-hmm. like they have to kill a bunch of guys and they got to track her down, and then Mal should probably kill her, and he doesn't. You know what I mean? Like it for sure. You, you, you can have stretches of it. Um, but from now until the end, you've got Trash, The Message, Heart of Gold, Objects of Space. Uh, and I really like all those episodes. The Message is the hardest one for me. And so I really look forward to your commentary. Well, uh, both of our commentary, but you leading on the commentary of The Message, mm-hmm. just because it's a little sappy. But they're all kind of flawed in their own ways. Although I think Objects in Space points to 
a, a really bizarre type of, uh, of TV filmmaking that would have been really interesting to see where it went um, from there. So what's your, before we sign off here uh, for this episode, what do you, what's your general feeling about sort of the last like three or four episodes? They're all really good. They're all going to give us something that we haven't gotten a lot of yet, you know, except for trash, which trash is very funny visually a very vibrant episode with these islands floating in this ocean planet basically but it's mostly the same plot as our mrs reynolds um it doesn't really reveal anything more no. beyond that um other than that inara is part of the crew even when she seems like she's kind of distances herself intentionally the message we get to see a lot more of mal's experience with the war explained Heart of Gold, we get to see him, I, I would argue, fall in love. I, I really think he does fall in love I with Andy. Um, and then He's Objects in actor. Space is just so fucking weird. <laughs> it I, it's a great episode. I, you know, Jubal Early is one of those characters you wish you got to see more of, that there was more TV to, to give us more of him. But it's so weird. I, it's, I mean... If this show had gone longer, even if it had had more episodes made of season one, I am pretty confident Objects in Space was not going to be the last episode. I mean, it is a strange-ass season or series finale. Yeah, I mean, people are obsessed with Boba Fett for some reason I cannot understand. Yeah, I think that's Faceless character. It's all about the looks. Yeah. And people who say they love Boba Fett and hate the Ewoks really pisses me off because at least the Ewoks serve a narrative and character development purpose. Boba Fett serves nothing. Yeah, I don't and like Boba Fett and I don't like the Ewoks. I'm a That's fine, but you can at least <laughs> acknowledge that what went on on the moon the of Endor. The Ewoks matter. That, that is... They matter. Yes. Right, they matter. Uh, that and anyways, the point being... Um, you know, Jubal Early is is the much, much, much cooler, more interesting, uh, you know, a subtle but but more disturbing version of the bounty hunter in science fiction, which is always being teased but sure. never really realized. So I'm excited to do these last four episodes, man. Um, and uh, you know, it, again, it's just it's just a shame it had to end the way it, it was. I, I think you're right in the sense of it's fine with 14 episodes in a movie. I really would have liked like 22 episodes in a movie. Yeah, I think would have like been that. perfect. Yeah. So, all right. Well, BizzleCast listeners, follow us for the last four episodes of the Firefly season. And we will be coming at you soon. BizzleCast out.